Almighty. Hey, everyone. Hey. <laughs> uh, happy Resurrection Sunday. Happy Resurrection Sunday. It's a really good day. Um, yeah, I mean, Easter is Easter is awesome, but it's not awesome that it's the only Sunday that we kind of like celebrate the resurrection. Uh, I was thinking about it, and I feel like we we think about Christ suffering and Christ being crucified and Christ carrying his cross. We, we think about that a lot of the time and a lot of our life we spend identifying with that, but Christ has been resurrected longer than he was suffering on earth. And so we can think about resurrection every single day. We can think about resurrection as much as we want. It doesn't have to be just um, Easter Sunday. And then how Easter is sometimes in March and sometimes in April. Kind of confusing. Anyways. Um, but yeah, happy Resurrection Sunday. Um, so this is the third lesson in the series of identity. We are um, identity in Christ. And so a few weeks ago, we talked about deceived identity, right, and fighting the, these three lies, the lies that the world tells us, the lies that we tell others, and the lies that we tell ourselves. A um, couple weeks ago, our topic was achieved identity, right? And so this identity that we build through our choices, and you can either be a wise builder or a foolish builder. And today, we're talking about received identity, and the identity that we receive from God, the identity that God tells us we are. Um, so let's let's pray real quick. Father God, thank you for this day. Thank you for the spring. Thank you for um, thank you so much for the warm weather. I'm so tired of the cold and the short days that end at four o'clock. God, thank you so much for new life. The the trees are coming back to new life. The grass is coming back to new life. Um, the weeds are coming back to new life, too. The flowers are coming. Uh, and God, I, I pray that we can uh, come back to new new life in you and remember that we have come back to new life in you, Father. Um, I pray that, um, yeah, I just pray that we can grasp the resurrection today and grasp our identity inside of that. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. So, yeah, we're talking about received identity today. and. That should be, if God is telling us who we are, that should be the most exciting uh, revelation of who we are, right? It shouldn't be, you know, I don't know, our job title or our family title or something. It should be who God tells us we are is the most important revelation of us. And a compliment can really change your life based on who gave it, right? Uh, I was talking to my best friend a few weeks ago, and he in October, I believe, he, he lost his dad. He's my age. We were roommates in college. And he lost his dad to a car crash. And um, he was telling me at the funeral, like, hundreds of people, hundreds of people were just coming up to him saying, your dad is so proud of you. Your dad would be so proud of you. Your dad is so proud of you. And he was like, thank you, thank you, thank you. But he was telling me, he said, uh, he said, yeah, all these people can tell me, like, my dad was proud of me. But from myself, when I think about it, my dad only told me he was proud of me maybe a few times in my life. And when he thinks about those times, that's when he really believes that his dad was proud of him, right? And so it, it really makes a difference who tells you your identity. And so 
It's Resurrection Sunday. As I've said that four times. And Christ resurrecting told us something about ourselves. Christ resurrecting told us, one, that we are reborn also, and two, that we are victors. And so I'm going to go through that. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm just going to get through that. So our first scripture is 2 Corinthians 5.17. If we can all turn there, if you want to turn there. So it says, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old is gone and the new is here. So I'm sure we've all kind of experienced, whether it's a movie we watched or a video game we played, there's so much of this in pop culture where, oh, did I change the slide? Okay. (laughs) There's so much of this in pop culture where the main character of a movie or TV show or something, they'll go through a portal, right? Like Wizard of Oz or Space Jam or something. They'll go through a portal and they'll become someone else. There's somebody else or they're in a different place and... In this different place in the land of Oz or in Space Jam world where Michael Jordan went, uh, you have different objectives. You're a different person. You you have different missions, right? And it's just all over. Or we can play a video game and all of a sudden I'm a Pokemon collector or all of a sudden I am a World War II soldier, right? And that I don't know why, but that's so intriguing for humans to to watch someone go through a portal into a new life and i guess it's because it's deep down in our soul we want to have a new life we want to start over we want to do something different and god gives us that opportunity through his son jesus christ so we are reborn that is the first thing let's go we're going to read the chunk of scripture around verse 17 And then I'm going to pull out four different things that are different once we are reborn, once we are a new creation. All right, so verse 14 says, For Christ's love compels us, because we are convinced that one died for all, and therefore all died. And he died for all, that those who live should no longer live for themselves, but for him who died for them and was raised again. So from now on, we regard no one from a worldly point of view. Though we once regarded Christ in this way, we do so no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old is gone, the new is here. All this is from God, who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting people's sins against them. And he has committed to us the message of reconciliation. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors, as though God were making his appeal through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. So four things that are different once we've been reborn. Our motivation is different, our perspective is different, our destiny is different, and our purpose is different. And let me go into the first one. Our motivation is different. So it says, Christ's love compels us because we are convinced that one died for all and therefore all died. Back to the movie references, right? Uh, Have y'all ever seen like a, a war movie where they always have this scene in a war movie? where the soldier, he's like in his barracks and or he's about to fight or he's at the campfire or something and he pulls out a little a little picture of, of his sweetie pie from back home, right? And he looks at her and maybe he kisses the picture or he pulls out a letter from his, from his wife and his kids or something and he looks at it and then he tucks it away or maybe he brags about it to his friend. Yeah, this is my sweetie pie from back home, you know? We've all seen that, that 
kind of image in, in movies. And I think that's so common because love is the best motivator, right? When you're deep down in the trenches, love is the best motivator to get you through that. And so in the same way, when we're on this spiritual battle, Christ's love is our best motivator. And Christ, the thing is, Christ loves us so much that if we tap into that love, the, the love that Christ has given us, it can motivate all of our actions and replace all the previous motivations that we had. So if beforehand we were motivated to do well at work because we wanted to make more money or be successful, now we can be motivated at work because of God's love. Right? Or if we were motivated to remain pure because we didn't want to have no babies, uh, now our motivation to be pure can be God's love. That's so real. Y'all know that's so real. Okay? And, you know, beforehand, if we were motivated to do the right thing because we didn't want to go to jail or get in trouble or something, now we're motivated to do the right thing because of Christ's love. That, that line that one died for all. You know, if we're just reading the Bible just to get through it or we're just reading it because, oh, I have to get, you know, my daily reading, we can skip over that line. And it's so heavy that one, one died for all. Yeah. And the key to being motivated by Christ's love is we have to tap into Christ's love. We have to really ingest Christ's love and really take it for ourselves. Um, the Bible is a love letter. And I think we sometimes can read it like it's company guidelines or a textbook or a history book and something we just got to get through. But if you read the Bible searching for love, right, it says those who seek, they find. Those who ask, they receive. Those who knock, the door will be answered. If we're searching, if we're seeking for Christ's love while we're reading the Bible, we're going to find Christ's love in the Bible. And one died for all that's so heavy. That's so heavy. And we can imagine him like, Carrying the cross, sweating, bleeding, crying, slobber coming all down his nose and people spitting on him. And him just thinking, not my will, but yours be done. Or I'm doing this for JD. I'm doing this for Jamal. I'm doing this for Ty. I'm doing this for JJ. Right. And when we think about that, that's that's it. Right. That's the motivation. That is where we get the motivation to do all these things for Christ. We're not motivated by apologetics. We're not motivated by how cool the people at church are. We're not motivated by how good the music is. We're motivated every single day, every single moment, every single instance by Christ's love. And that's how it should be, right? Every single day. So next, our perspective is different. So from now on, we regard no one from a worldly point of view. Though we once regarded Christ in this way, we do so no longer. So I have a question. Have you ever seen a dog eat? Y'all seen a dog eat? It's, it's not pretty, usually. They don't eat with a lot of... <laughs> yeah, it's... <laughs> everyone, yeah, everyone knows the dog eating sound. <laughs> so for this point, to, to illustrate um, not regarding anyone from a worldly point of view, I have this picture, right? So you have this huge piece of steak and a... <laughs> <laughs> and so on one hand, on one side of the steak, you have, let's say you have a dog, right? How's the dog going to be looking at that steak? 
like drooling. It's just going to be thinking food, eat, munch, munch, right? It's all it's going to be thinking. On the other hand, what if you had a someone who just graduated culinary school looking at that steak? They wouldn't see it the same way that the dog does, right? And so once we've been reborn in Christ, we don't see people the same way a dog sees meat, right? If we see someone we don't like, we don't see them and start thinking, oh, man, da 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 that's, that's our animal. That's an animal instinct. That's easy to do. That's seeing someone from a worldly point of view. Or if we see someone attractive and we immediately start, ooh, yeah, mm-hmm, that's, that's our animal instinct. That's, that's what a dog would do, right? Or if we see someone down on their luck or someone who looks funny or someone who has less than us and we start, <laughs> uh, and the Bible calls that like haughty eyes. God hates that. That's what a dog would do. That's, that's our animal instincts. That's a worldly point of view. However, now that we're reborn, we regard people with a godly perspective, right? So if I see someone I don't like, now I'm thinking, wow, they need God's love. Wow, I need to forgive them. Wow, I need to maybe show them grace the way that I've been shown grace. If I see an attractive woman or something, then now I'm thinking, wow, she's worthy of dignity. She's worthy of Christ's love. She has a mother and a father, right? If I see someone who's down on their luck, I'm thinking, how can I help them? How can I lift them up? They probably need some help. They need Christ's love. So since we are reborn, we regard no one from a worldly point of view anymore. Next point, our destiny is different. This one's cool. Um, so I'm going to start actually the verse before that. But uh, verse 18, 2 Corinthians 5 verse 18 says, All this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting people's sins against them, and he has committed to us the message of reconciliation. What a powerful statement where it says, not counting our sins against us. That's how our destiny is different, that our sins are not counted against us. Have you ever... (laughs) been so relieved that uh, a transgression was not punished in your life. I, uh, I had this one time in college where I turned in a paper, and then my best friend turned in a paper, and they looked strikingly similar. <laughs> and uh, yeah, he copied. He copied. Well, I, I was like, hey, you can look at my essay for reference, and he just said copy, paste. And uh, so the teacher, she pulled us in, and she just gave it to us. And she was saying, you guys, you guys could lose your scholarships. You guys could get kicked out. I should, I should drop you from this class. That's unacceptable. She was, she was really mad. I, was, I thought everyone cheated. Come on, why are you so mad at me? But she was really mad. Understandably, right? It's breaking the law. You can't cheat. You can't copy, a, you can't copy an essay. Uh, but luckily, she just let us off with a zero and just let us go. I didn't really like her that much after that. But, I mean... She could have kicked me out of the school. And I was really relieved that I didn't get kicked out of the school because my silly friend copy and pasted my essay. Um, And I never let him copy off me again. So the consequence of copying off a test in college is you get expelled. The consequence of sin is separation from God. But if you're a baptized disciple, your sins don't count against you. 
and you're now given a ministry of reconciliation. And so the same way you are when, oh, thank God I didn't get expelled. That's, that's how our destiny is different once we've been reborn. And one thing that's, I love this is it says he didn't, it doesn't say God was reconciling the perfect people to himself. It didn't say God was reconciling the, uh, the churchgoers, the, the saints, the, the uh, philanthropists. It says the world. It says the world, like the dirty, the dirty world to himself. The wrongdoers, which is us. When we were wrongdoing, <clears throat> that's when Christ reconciled us. It wasn't at our best moment that Christ reconciled us and reached for us. <clears throat> It was when we were in the world. It was when we were nasty and dirty and wrongdoing. And I, I was thinking about this yesterday, how in, in the Old Testament, we know about the flood, and that's how he cleansed the, the earth of sin, just kind of big tsunami. But nowadays, he's not cleansing the world with a huge tsunami. He's cleansing it one at a time, one person at a time, with little baptismal pools all over the world. And one person gets clean, and they help another person get clean, and they help another person get clean. And it's like the little trickle effect. It's a lot more <laughs> nice, <laughs> a lot nicer way to do it, to cleanse the world. And a lot of times we, we don't want to, we're not as fired up about this ministry of reconciliation because I think a lot of Christians, speaking of the lies that we tell ourselves, we walk around it's so sad. We walk around thinking, not really thinking that we're forgiven, not really thinking that we're, we've been reconciled. And we're in these, we build these like imaginary prisons for ourselves. of, oh, God is probably just punishing me for uh, how mean I was to that person. And I, th that's why my life is so hard. And God is punishing me and I'm just a sinner and I'm, I'm trapped and I'm da da da, -da. And we, Christians walking around in these prisons Think, just beating themselves up when the Bible says that we've been reconciled to him, right? And so maybe life is hard because just life is hard. That doesn't mean that God is punishing you. We have been set free. We've been reconciled. God reconciled every single one of us, or he wants to reconcile every single one of us, right? And so we need to realize that God has forgiven you and forgive ourselves. Realize we're not in a prison and help others get out of those prisons, right? And it may take a little time. It may take some therapy. Or it may take some Bible reading. It may take sitting down with people and prayer and fasting. But we need to understand if we've been baptized, if we've made Jesus Lord, if we've been reborn, then we are forgiven, right? We are not in prison. Amen. Next, our purpose is different. It says in verse 20, we are therefore Christ's ambassadors, as though God were making his appeal through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. We are Christ's ambassadors. So an ambassador is a representative. And uh, in, in hip-hop culture, which is what I listen to all the time, in hip-hop, representing is really big, no matter what, like, where are you from? I'm from the West Coast. I'm from the East Coast. I'm from L.A. I'm from Chicago. I'm, I'm from the South Side. I'm from the North Side. Representing is huge. Like, you don't, you don't walk into a room unless you're telling someone, hey, this is where I'm from. And, I mean, in Alabama, I guess our representing is, like, Auburn and Bama, you know? You see it on, on every car. And 
there's there's a car in at the Publix that I go to that says the license plate says one Tua three, and unless that person is Tua, I think it's completely overboard. Tua is the the quarterback for the uh, he used to be the quarterback for Alabama, but we represent like we represent a lot of things nowadays. Um, and so as Christians, if we've been reborn, we need to be representing Christ with that same intensity, that same intensity. When, when you walk into a room, everyone knows, or when, when Claudette walks into a room, everyone knows she's from Jamaica, right? When you walk into a room, everyone should know this is the Christian person, right? But it's not because we're yelling it and screaming it. It's because we're acting like Christ. It's because we're acting a little bit different, right? But we're going to talk like Christ. We're going to act like Christ. We're, it's going to be like we're wearing Christ. That's how it should be. Like we're wearing a Bulls jersey or a, or a New York Yankee cap or a, an Auburn shirt or something. That's how we should be as ambassadors. We should be representing. So those are the four things, right? Uh, I guess I missed the slide. Those are the four things, right? Our motivation is different. Our perspective is different. Our destiny is different. And our purpose is different once we've been reborn. Next, next thing that God tells us is that we are victors. So can we turn to Romans 8, probably the most victorious chapter in the whole entire Bible. Romans 8, 37. It says, no, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. More than conquerors. I think I have it right here. Yeah, we are more than conquerors. So the word more than conquerors, it can be translated to super victors, super victors. Uh, And so it's pretty cool. You know, God tells us that through his love, we are more than a conqueror. We're more than when I think about a victor, I think about someone who just wins a wins a race. When I think about a super victor, I think about someone who maybe they tripped on the like in a race, they tripped on the first hurdle, but they still won the race. Right. That's a super victor, someone who have overcame adversity and victorious people. They tend to look at their life through a lens of victory. That's how they look at their life. And they'll look at their hardships and their challenges as like character building blocks towards the victory that they have. And I love what um, what David said, like, we realize, like, if Jesus didn't die, then he couldn't have resurrected. And the new life is almost worthless if there wasn't death right before that. And so in the same way, our, our hardships, we they add to our victory. Um, after, I think it was my sophomore year of college, I, I had a really, it was a really rough year, spiritually and academically and I just wasn't feeling like proud after that semester ended and I was about to go off for summer uh, somewhere. And I told my my discipler, I said, man, I feel like a failure. I just feel like a failure this year. And he recommended this book to me called Failing Forward by John Maxwell. And this is kind of the gist of the book. Failing forward is the ability to get back up after you've been knocked down, learn from your mistake and move forward in a better direction. And this book, it really, really helped me. If you're feeling like a failure, you have to. Don't fail to read this book. 
if if you're feeling like a failure. Uh, Some other quotes from that, this book, are uh, achievers are given multiple reasons to believe that they're failures. But in spite of that, they persevere. The average for entrepreneurs is 3.8 failures before they finally make it in business. Determining what went wrong in a situation has value, but taking that analysis another step and figuring out how to use it to your benefit is the real difference maker when it comes to failing forward. Don't let your learning just lead to knowledge. Let your learning lead to action. And then here's another easy little quote. It says, the more you do, the more you fail. The more you fail, the more you learn. And the more you learn, the better you get. This is how we become a super victor, is learning from our failures. We don't, there's a, man, I don't have it memorized, but it says the righteous, when they fall, they perish. Or no, 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 no. The wicked, when they fall, they perish, but the righteous, though they fall seven times, they still get up. And that should be how we characterize our life, right? Let's go to another scripture, Romans 8, 28. So it says, Romans 8, 28, and we know in all things, God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. And this even further speaks to the overcoming hardships part of life, right? That if we are victors, if we know that in Christ we are victorious, then we know, wait, wait, we know that we win at the very end. So that means that every little hardship that we face is just working towards our good. Right? We only have an eternity to gain after a life of hardships, and our identity is of a victor. Um, so, okay. I have a sermon illustration. I might seem silly. I don't care. I don't care. Amen. Amen. Thanks, Mike. Amen. All right, so when I was a little kid, when I was a little kid, I, uh, I loved WWE. And all the, I mean, all the little kids did, in my neighborhood at least. And so we would go and we'd play WWE on the trampoline. And there was these kids, like the fence over, who I would go and I'd ride my bike to their house and we'd all play on the trampoline and jump and, oh, I'm John Cena. Oh, I'm Randy uh, Orton. Oh, I'm this. I'm Rey Mysterio. And <laughs> it doesn't end, this story doesn't end well. Um, so... We, it was fun, right? It was all innocent fun. But there was one day where, like, they all, all the kids on the other side of the fence, it was like, I think it was three kids. They all, like, it was kind of, I guess it was a joke. I don't know. But they all beat me up one day, like, for real. You know how wrestling is fake. We know wrestling's fake, right? One day they beat me up for real. I guess my fake wrestling was impeccable and they got jealous and they, they tried to... Even the score, but they, they beat me up for real one day, and I went home crying, and I, I was like, dang, I thought those kids were my friends, and I didn't really play with them anymore, and um, and I kind of I felt like a loser after that. I was like, dang, like, I can't just play, uh, and then I bought, I bought this belt, and it was because I was like, I can't really, like, no one really wants me to be the champion, but that doesn't that's not going to stop me from being a champion, right? (laughs) So I'm going to go buy, I went and bought my own belt. This was uh, John Cena's belt back in the day. And I went and bought my own belt and I hung it in my room. I was like, I'm still a champion. I don't care. I don't care. And so when we have, we have victory in Christ, right? 
So it doesn't matter if the kids beat you up. <laughs> uh, it doesn't matter if they beat you up, right? It doesn't matter if they didn't let you win the fake wrestling match. It doesn't matter. You can still walk around, and we should be still walking around like we are the champion, right? We are victorious. We know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. And then also, we know, oh, we know, I failed, failed forward, sure. In all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us, right? So enough of the Christians walking around like, oh, oh, me. Like, we need to be walking around like, oh, I'm going to heaven, right? Christ saved me. Christ reconciled me. I'm a champion. I'm a victor. I'm victorious in Christ. Um, yeah, you don't have to buy it at Walmart with your allowance money. So I'm coming to a close. Uh, I want to ask the question. This, this is all about identity, right? And so who, who are you? How would you define yourself? Hopefully, after this, you would define yourself as someone who's been reborn, someone who's been resurrected from dead to life, someone who is more than a conqueror, someone who's a victor. And we should believe that our highest definition of life is to follow Jesus. Um, I did a lot of me being weird again, but this this week, for some reason, I've done a lot of like walking through like uh, cemeteries and stuff. Just I don't know. Yeah, Ayana was like, what? <laughs> uh, but I, I find it, I like, I like walking through cemeteries and just reading people's tombstones and just thinking about, hmm, like, what was life like in 1769? What was life like in 1901? And, uh, and I like looking at, you know, oh, this person lived 98 years. This person, oh, man, this person was only 25. This person was 55. This person was 75. One thing I noticed was on people's tombstones, it didn't say this was a black man. It didn't say this was a Mexican woman. It didn't say this was a, a rich person. This was a poor person. It didn't say those things on their tombstone. It didn't say this was a great businessman. It didn't, it didn't say that those things. Usually what it said was this was a, a wife, a husband, a father, a grandfather, it says they were a loving mother or a beloved brother, right? Those are the things that are on our tombstone. And we can, 100 years from now, someone will look at your tombstone, and they might only know when you were born, when you died, what your name was, and if who your family was and what you believed in, right? That might be the only your only remnant on this earth 100 years from now. Sorry to be depressing. <laughs> And I've, I've heard that we, we should live for not what's going to be on our resume, but live for what's going to be said at our eulogy. Live for what's going to be on your tombstone. And so yesterday, uh, Ariel and I, we were walking through a, a graveyard, and it sounds so creepy, uh, <laughs> dancing thriller, and uh, just kidding. And we saw one, and this, this really hit me. It says... Uh, can't read it from here. But it says at the very bottom, words that she lived by, and it's it's better to give than to receive, Acts 2, 20, 35. And I turned to Ariel, and we kind of talked about this. Uh, like, if you were to die, what would 
what would that say on yours? What would what would it say the words that you live by? Would it be a Bible scripture? Would someone define your life by by your your belief in Christ? That's that's crazy. And so that's kind of like we walk around with IDs, but this this is the ID that's going to be around for the longest, I guess on earth at least. What what would be on your ID? What would be on your tombstone? What would it would someone put a scripture on your tombstone? What what words do you really live by? Would they put a cross on your tombstone? Would they put praying hands on your tombstone? There was tombstones where they said, uh, "I'm waiting for Christ's arrival," or there was some where they said, um, "Yeah, waiting for the resurrection," or "A loving mother to many." And it, it was a lot of beautiful tributes to people. But it's something that we really should think about. Is what do I live by? Like, sure, I go to church, but what do I really, what words do I really live by? Do I live like I'm reborn? Do I live like I know Christ? Do, would people say that about me? Do I live like I'm a victor? Do I live with a championship belt on my shoulder? Right? So, yeah, in closing, I didn't want to depress you. Um, here, look at that. That's, that's the other side of the tombstone, right? Happy Resurrection Sunday. Okay. But yeah, so we receive our identity from Christ, right? And he tells us that through his resurrection, that we are also reborn. Through his resurrection, we are also more than conquerors. And yeah, to God be the glory. Let's give him another hand. Yeah, that was awesome. Amen. Thank you, Nathan. That was uh, a great, great lesson. We really appreciate it. And we're gonna uh, um, we're gonna have a, a final closing song. Let's stand up.